Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show. This is our annual horses to follow ahead of the national hunt season. It's a little bit delayed because I was ill last week, but I'm okay now. And I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm delighted to be joined by Odds Checker's very own horse racing tipster, Andy Holding, and making his Odds Checker Betting Show debut ahead of the national hunt season. We've got Dan Overall. Dan, for those who aren't aware of your work or haven't seen what you get up to before um i'll hand over to you to give a brief intro to everyone before we get into uh, into the selections yeah thanks george yeah pleasure to be here so for people who don't know me i'm national hunt only so you will not see me for about six months of the year i very much <laughs> avoid the flat season uh, like the plague and it's just one of those things where i'm just a national hunt enthusiast i was a racing tv he's tip star winner a couple of years ago so i've been around doing tipping here and there and popping up on podcasts but it's the same odds checker podcast debut and i'm delighted to be here what's your general methodology you know we know that andy is a a times and figures man we've had other people who who maybe have got a good eye um for for, mm. for spotting a winner what would you say is, is your general method of, of picking winners i think it's a, a combination of all factors i mean I'm, I'm still relatively young to the game so i've grown up listening to people like andy and different people who all have their own different methodologies so i think i've taken a influence from multiple people i think at the minute something that it may be getting me into a bit of trouble actually is i tend to be quite forgiving <laughs> like especially okay. if i look back at last season i look at trainers say that didn't have a great time of things for one reason or another say neil king would be an example coming into this season obviously he had look away bolt up in the grade two uh cheltenham so if i can make an excuse for a horse maybe why he's under the underperformed and why the market may not be factoring that in as much to try and get a bit of value there that tends to be how i play it but with that there is obviously high risk of reward because sometimes they may just be not be that good but that tends to be the uh, way i try and play things interesting balance i know andy's someone who after one poor run he'll draw a big line through them and that'll be it for them <laughs> uh, going forward um the way we're going to do this is uh, i've asked the guys to come up with five horses each uh, ahead of the season well i mean it's already uh, begun in earnest, but uh, but looking forward to uh, the the national hunt season now. So we've got five uh, horses each, and we'll, and we'll go through them um, with each each uh, tipster uh, alternate, and we'll kick off uh, Andy. Um, you can have first run, given you are odds checker's main man, and we'll kick off with uh, JPR one, who's your first selection, fifth in the Supreme back in 2022. Um, I think the only runner out of the ten on the show who's had a run uh, already this season, uh, winning. Uh, last week, first start over fences for Joe Tizard. Uh, Andy, what is it about JPR1 that has you firmly uh, putting him in the notebook? Yeah, I, I really, really liked his performance at Newton Abbott. There's only three runners, um, but it was a fair examination at the trip. Um, ICO, who'd previously won over the course and distance, um, set out to make all again, and he went a not furious gallop, but he went a good even gallop all the way through. And uh, JPR one was held up towards the back of the field. Um, he was he was he was last of three going out to the final circuit. Gradually worked himself into it, and in the end, um, he w ran out a really comprehensive winner when ICO fainted and fell out from the back of the telly because he just couldn't keep up the gallop. But JPR one once he picked up the baton, ran hard all the way to line. Beat a horse called Monville of Harry Durham's first run for that yard. Who, to be fair, I could have almost put that in as well because I think he's a horse of some promise. But it was just the time figure. I mean, obviously you introduced me um, along, uh, to, to Dan there as being a bit of a speed figure man for regulars that, that uh, follow the podcast. You, you'll know that I'm all over numbers. And uh, so far, this horse has clocked the fastest novice chase. Um, in fact, any chase that we've got so far this season. Um, so I think this form is pretty good. 
but he's jumping was so fantastic at that pace. And I do like that. If you've got a horse that can jump well at championship pace, that usually stands you in good stead. And what's interesting about that performance is the handicappers only raised him um, four, four pounds. pounds. I mm. think it was an intermediate chase. I don't think it was, not, it was a handicap. So it's meant that um, he's probably took a view that Monviallo is, is the benchmark and he underperformed, who I think was about a 146 horse going into that. Uh, and I think we're going to be looking at JPR1 as a 145-plus horse as the season progresses. He's miles better than his mark. And that's why I put him in this list. Um, I normally like to have horses who haven't had a run yet. So if you like, they haven't shown their hand. Um, but I do think this horse has got away with daylight robbery after that uh, um, Ubi run. Uh, sorry, uh, Newt Abbott run. And I, I think he'll probably end up somewhere like Newby next time out at the um, the old Hennessy meeting. It's, it's a meeting that I think... Um, Joe Tizard back in the day uh, liked to have plenty of nice horses uh, running there, particularly his novice chase. And I think, obviously, I'll chip off the block. Joe will uh, go uh, down the same down the same route. Um, so yeah, JPL one. I think he's a promising novice chase in the making, and I recommend listeners or viewers to um, keep him on side. So you reckon another couple out? Well, with the mark of 134, a handicap or two to come, and then and then what do you think will be the long term uh, the long term aims or the long term prospects? Well, I mean, you'd like to think he might be good enough to be in the conversation for an Arkle, although, you know, there's going to be classy horses. You know, you've got Marine National around. I mean, he, he if he takes the fences, I think he'll be a sort of five to four shot come uh, next March in the Arkle if he does everything right over in Ireland. Um, particularly, you know, as Constitution Hill now stays over hurdles and it, it looks like Stayman's going down the same route. So, um, yeah, he's got a bit of a freebie over in Ireland. I, he, I don't think he's going to be in that class, but. You know, he might be something for some um, something like the um, Grand Annual, maybe. Um, but a lot depends on his mark and how he goes between now and then. So, but look, he's just a really nice horse, and I think he's jumping or standing in good stead throughout the season. They don't tend to be afraid of a challenge, do they? To be fair, I mean, he ran him in the Supreme, I think, and he was finished down the field of the Betfair before that. So, I think if they yeah. they feel they've got a, a horse of that caliber, I think they've always fought a lot of him. They may well chuck him in Grade One company, and maybe towards the end of the season, or maybe something for like the Holden Gold Cup, the start of next season, he might be something uh, a horse or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. <clears throat> if uh, Joe Tizard, if you are listening, stay tuned because that's not the the last one that Andy uh, is putting up from your stable. So stay tuned. But we've got, um, as I mentioned at the top, we've got loads of. Um, novice hurdlers exciting novice hurdlers to come and we'll start with the first one now um and dan will come to you first there's a a, a willie mullins bumper winner a fair few of those are knocking around but there's one that in particular that's caught your eye in uh, mirazo west yeah it's hard to narrow them down i think it was like 28 or so individual bumper winners uh, for willie mullins <laughs> last year so it's not exactly uh, an exhaustive list but i just remember coming into this season i remember he ran i think at the end of march or time he avoided all the big festivals and he just, just something about him really caught my eye. You go back to saying, like, what do I kind of look for? I'm not normally someone who goes completely on visuals, but Mirrors of West, I just thought, looked like he could be something special. And if you look at his, on paper, what he's about, like, he just screams potential superstar to me. So he was 160,000 euros as a store. He was in the process of bolting up at a point to point when trained by Elmarie Holden, fell at the last that day. Uh, Derek O'Connor, who was on, uh, personally recommended him uh, to J.P. McManus that day, who was bought privately and sent to Willie Mullins. And he's a full brother to Fernie Hollow. So if races were run on paper, this horse would do a hell of a lot of winning. 
I say he's only running one bumper that came at Na- uh, Nace at the end of March. It was well, well fancied that day. Made all, I think, really impressed me how he traveled from the front that day. We know Fernie Hollow has been quite a quirky individual, extremely talented, but definitely has his quirks. And to a certain extent, Mirrors always showed those that kind of similar tendency, but not to the same extreme. He was enthusiastic out on the front end without being overly keen. Uh, the second is a horse trained by Paul Nolan called He's My Hero who ran very well at Punchestown afterwards. They think a lot of him. They think he could be a graded novice hurdler in the making. And the third was a 360-gram point-to-point winner uh, for uh, in the colours of Envoy Lennon Co. So the form, while not necessarily firmly tested as of yet, looks like it could be fairly decent. And he just has a, a really likeable way of going. Obviously, full brother to Fernie Hollow. If you looked at his pedigree, you'd say, if you took Fernie Hollow out of it, more two-and-a-half-miler by Westerner, like there's plenty of stamina there, but showed plenty of pace, I thought, in that bumper. They'll start him over two miles, and I know he's been a bit of a buzz horse in the stable to stores early part of the season, especially for races like the Supreme. We'll see if he's that quality, because Willie's going to have a lot of French recruits lurking as well, but one I'm really excited to, to see out, and I hope he can make up into a grade one novice herder this season. Dan, obviously people watching this um, show, it is October, but I know that the lots of the viewers will be looking ahead to Cheltenham and looking at Cheltenham antipost markets already. You mentioned there, um, the, there's been some buzz around the Supreme. 12 to 1, best price for the Supreme as it stands now. 20 to 1 mm. for the Ballymore. Given that you said you think the future might lie at two and a half, would you be more inclined to be back in the bigger price of the two? I think at the minute, just because of his enthusiasm, I don't think they'll be in a rush to up him in trip. Obviously, a lot will depend on how he shapes initially. Hurdles may settle him down a tad, but I think he's got enough pace to start over two miles. And I'd imagine that'll be the route they go down. I think he'll be pretty much sticking to those two-mile graded races. Again, there's so many variables there. Obviously, JP himself has so many different horses he could run in various races. Willie will do the same. So while I think if he learns to settle in time, his pedigree will suggest two and a half miles won't be a problem. I'd say the market is agreeing with me that I think he's more likely to stick to two miles for the time being. Andy, what do your speed figures say about, uh, you know, Dan's obviously been impressed visually. What did the, what did the numbers say? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't necessarily an, an eye-popping performance on the clock. Uh, obviously, I watched the video back and um, took the liberty to, to watch all Dan's um, uh, entries. Uh, so I, I have a view on them um, to, to, to a degree. Um, he clocked a 40 speed figure, um, which wouldn't mean anything to Dan, but the benchmark for a really good bumper is sort of anything over 60 or 65. The championship horses will run somewhere around the 65 to 70 mark. The, the fastest bumper horse we had last year was 70. I think the championship bumper at the festival was something in around the 68, 69 mark, and the one at Aintree was 64. So those are the kind of strongly run bumpers that, you know, that, that the form's there for all to see. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, using that as a stick to beat. Mirrors are, you know, with he, he's obviously got a, a pile of talent, and we won't really know how good he is until he runs in a strong race. Mm. It's not his fault they went slow. Um, sometimes you can actually upgrade horses the other way around if they still win despite racing keenly and using up energy, and yet they still manage to stay on as well as he did. So depends on which way you look at it. Uh, but like I say, I couldn't endorse him off a, off a time figure perspective, but um, visually and what he's going to do in future when he does go in the better races, then um, only time will tell. Only time will tell, indeed. Uh, Mirza West, the first selection there for Dan. Um, Andy, your second selection now, uh, <clears throat> another bumper winner, and let's stick with the Tizard team. Uh, it's Diamond Rye. 
Yeah, out of my five, I think if I had to categorise them one to five and, and give a five star, four star, three star, two, one, this would be the five. Um, this is definitely the nicest horse on my list. Uh, he, I mean, he's wow. a he's a gorgeous son of, of, of Diamond Boy, scopy, physically imposing, got a lovely way of going, long, big stride on him. Um, and he was really tested first time out. Uh, in a strongly run bumper, so, so much so that that was the fastest time that we we got all season, including the championship bumper at Cheltenham and at Aintree. It was quite an extraordinary run race. And Diamond Boy went through it like he was a proper horse. Um, he never came off the bridle. He hit the line strong. He was actually eased down in the closing stages as well, just to emphasise his uh, superiority. I don't think he beat a lot. I don't think you can look at the others in behind and say, OK, we'll pick holes in him with the second, third, fourth or whatever. I, I just think he won, uh, you know, by, by space, and 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 the, and the other horses were just sh chasing shadows. Um, but I think he's about as exciting horse as the Tizards have got this season. Obviously, I've chucked in JPR one for a chaser because they always do well in that department. Not necessarily renowned for their hurdling exploits. You know, they're, they're more, um, you know, old-fashioned in many respects, aren't they? With, with the with the horses that um, you know, that your cue cards of this world. Uh, but cue card was no slouch when he. Um, you know, flew through his novice season and obviously won the Tollworth, et cetera. And I expect this mm. horse to be, you know, in, in that kind of bracket. Uh, again, I don't know where, I'm not privy to the information where he starts. Um, I like it, the fact that, you know, horses like that, that they're not starting just yet. They're, they're you know, they don't go in the showcase meeting. They're, they're seen as proper horses for the rest of the season. So they'll probably start somewhere in mid-November, which is traditional, and then work, them, work, work their way through. So I expect him to have one stroke, maybe two runs. Um, before he goes into graded company. Uh, don't forget the Tolworth issue, he switched to Aintree. Um, they, they've decided to move that grade one now. To, uh, instead of running it sand down, it goes to Aintree. So um, it might be a different dynamic there um, than usual, a sharper track, of course. Uh, but I, I do expect him to be in grade one company sooner rather than later. So Diamond Re, my, <coughs> sort of, my banker out of the five to do really well this season. And he has um, an entry uh, for, mm. on Friday at Weatherby. Uh, in a novice third over two miles, so and a few out. interesting oh, right. ones in oh, that. On Saturday but, uh, as well. But yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually at Weatherby Friday Saturday. I didn't know that, so that that's a real treat. Um, there you go. But yeah, he I, I'd imagine he'd be bouncing the entry, so I'd, I'd, you know you wouldn't want to get the prices, but I, I'd imagine he'd be a very very short price favourite unless there's something sexy from a Nichols Yard or even an Irish Raider or a Dan Skelton horse. Andy, I agree, but that's because this pod, you've, you've taken your own price on Friday. You could have been there, you know, you've, you've halved it in price just by, by flagging it up here. <laughs> Disaster. Um, well, yeah, I mean, he, he might not be the kind of horse I'd be backing at like, you know, a thin price. I think he's like four to five, four to six. So yeah. Sort of take it or leave it at that price. But um, yeah, he, he's he's probably one worth seeing what price anti-post is after he wins first time out. If he can create, create an impression, I think he will. But he's 50 to one for both the Supreme and the Bally, and the Ballymore now. Um, yeah, only a, only a couple of firms um, pricing him up. I think Hills and Uni better the two. Um, yeah. So he may have, may have to shop around, but I'm sure if um, he impresses um, over hurdles uh, and you know there's as I said entry on Friday at Weatherby and an entry at Ascot on Saturday as well. So um, you know if he impresses there, I'm sure more firms will will uh, price him up and and come out accordingly with prices for those two. As Andy says, maybe worth waiting until you see that. Um, but we're going back over to Ireland now to another um, who's priced up for both the Supreme and the Ballymore, this time um, a Gordon Elliott bumper winner uh, for Dan in Firefox. Yeah, he had a bit of a strange campaign last year. I remember when he made his rules debut, it was actually over hurdles, 
he just looked completely clueless, this horse. Like, I thought he was a massive eye-catcher when he finished fourth that day. And I was thinking, maybe down the road, if they kind of got his act together, he could be one for an end-of-season handicap. But I think Gordon's did what he has done a few times in recent years, actually. He just switched him to bumpers after that run. I think just with the impression that he needed more education. And mm. I say, it's been a tactic that's actually paid off for him in the past. He's, the likes of No More Heroes started off that way. He finished third in the Bartlett afterwards tombstone i finished fourth in the supreme the storyteller so plenty of these really smart horses of running a hurdle race and reverted to bumpers after not necessarily showing what was expected so i wouldn't use that as a stick to beat him with so when he went back into bumper into bumpers he was narrowly beat on his first start and that was to Lachlan, who would finish ninth in the champion bumper so that was fair form still looking a bit unsure and a bit like he was learning on the job Went on to win a weaker event next time out. Actually, a race that Gordon previously won with Ginto. Uh, so a race that he knows well. And then he went to Punchestown, where he narrowly prevailed in a real strong staying effort to be Ilal Antique of Willie Mullins and, and Tony Bloom. I think a horse they think a lot of. And mm. again, it could be one for grade one novice hurdles for that team as well. I think the jockey actually did pick up a, a whip band for it. But it was a really strong staying performance. Those two pulled well clear. I thought they looked like two real nice horses to go forward with. Now, he's a half-brother to the boss's Oscar, who I think now maybe people think, oh, that's not exactly the best sign. He's a bit enigmatic these days. But a couple of years ago, this is a horse who was second in the pretense final of 151. Like, he was pretty useful in his prime, while he's maybe not at that anymore. But there's decent pedigree behind him. And I, I say, I think he's a real staying type to look forward to. I don't think the Supreme or the Ballymore will be where he ends up. If he ends up at Cheltenham, I think it's more likely to be the Albert Bartlett. I can definitely see him as a type of horse to end up maybe running in the Lawless and Nace, maybe the Nathaniel Lacey, although they tend to skip that race uh, and maybe go straight to Cheltenham. But he actually is entered uh, in Down Royal uh, at the weekend, where obviously Gordon tends to start off plenty of his useful horses. He's in the two-mile six novice hurdle that Gordon's won seven in the last eight years, likes of American Mike, Hollow Games, Fury Road, Farouk Delenn, all started in that race. He's one of a couple of entries uh, for Gordon Elliott. I think down memory lane is the other one. But I think of those two, Firefox is the more staying type. And again, I'd be disappointed if he can't be one of Gordon's top novice herders. It doesn't all go to plan early days. It wouldn't surprise me to see if they campaign him maybe with something like the Martin Pipe in mind. But I think if he wins on his novice herding debut and then goes, say, like the Nace grade two novice hurdle as well over two and a half, I can see him campaigning him like a, a proper grade one staying horse, like they did with Jinto. Uh, and he may well end up in the Albert Bartlett come March. May end up in the Albert Bartlett. We've got prices for the Supreme and the Ballymore. I didn't even look at the Bartlett, so I'm going to have to try and get it as we, as we speak. I think um, he's 25 to 1, best price, I there believe. There we go. So, shortest of the three. Supreme, 33 to 1. Ballymore, 28 to 1. Uh, the Bartlett, 25 to 1, according to Dan. We'll take your word for it. But, of course, <laughs> listeners and viewers, just go to the Oddschecker Grids, um, and you can find the Albert Bartlett prices there for the best price um this is the issue down when you're on with andy is i now have to pass it over to andy and he's going to tell you what the, what the uh, speed figure was so uh <laughs> and yeah how does firefox stack up on the numbers yeah really good uh this yes. one's definitely got a thumbs up um courtesy of the uh courtesy of his navin victory actually i mean he's 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 that last one when he won up was it punchestown or fairy house i can't remember now was it punchestown yeah. it was punchestown yeah and he beat alan tartique um that was a little bit more of a slowly run race obviously four runners um Paddy Mullins dictated from the front, so he didn't go mad gallop. So, like I say, it wasn't his fault that it wasn't a massive time. But he's run the time before when he won by 10 wickets. Um, that was a good number, 64. So, you're talking, you know, good bump. I said anything over 60, 60 for a bumper on our numbers is good. So, 64 is not a million miles off championship level. Um, yeah, down Royal Friday, looks like whichever race he runs in, 
that'll be a good stepping stone for um, something maybe at um, Fairy House, maybe, maybe the Royal Bond or something like that. It looks like two, it looks two and a half mile horse to me. Seal of approval there from Andy. Uh, and Andy, talking of smart bumper form, it doesn't get much smarter than winning the Aintree bumper in April with Florida Dreams won it for Nikki Richards and is your third selection of five. Yeah, it was one of those days um, back in April that um, you sort of like almost pinch yourself if, 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 if this is really happening. Um, managed to jump on, I think one of Gordon Elliott's won the grade one. I forget his name now. Um, I think Irish Dan Point. Scal- Irish Point, yeah. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, mm. back to Irish Point, back to the national winner. And then I was, I was flagging up Florida Dreams all the way through the, the week on podcasts and, and sort of a few racing um, preview nights I was doing. Um, not real pressure on it really because he was a 25 to 1 shot so it didn't really make any difference if I was wrong or not um, but he was really impressive when he won at Musselburgh clocked an extraordinary number for a race at Musselburgh I was like oh this must be a good one and his back end sectionals were really good as well it was just like oh, what on earth is this um, but a good feel lot, they were well touted at the Scottish track and I think he carried a little bit of confidence going into that Aintree race by connections having read the sort of post race comments and he, he was sort of like totally dismissed, but he won despite meeting a huge amount of trouble in running as well down the straight. He had to weave and slalom his way through, horses dropping back in his lap. So it wasn't a uh, sort of straightforward victory, but I, I love the way he got to the line and he was by far and away the best horse in the race, won it on merit. Um, I think he's due to start his season off next week, I think, or maybe the week. I think he's, I think there's a race and, nominated. The yeah, that's right. November the 4th, is it? Yeah, Saturday. Saturday, yeah, um, which looks a good starting point. I just think he wants nicest ground to start off with. And if he went soft or heavier, I don't think they'd run him. Um, even though he's a big horse, I think, you know, good to soft is ideal for him because he, he's not slow. Uh, and I, I think the, the, the ultimate target, the, or the early season target, is the, um, the that, that Tolworth, which is now running yeah. Aintree, which obviously he's already proven <laughs> himself around Aintree. Rather than Sandad, I don't think Sandad is too to me. A heavy ground, slogging his way around there, that wouldn't be no good for him. But something like good to soft, soft, soft in place at Aintree um, um, over the Christmas period would be absolutely ideal, or just before the Christmas period. So yeah, Florida Dreams, he has to go on the list. You know, he's he's a horse sort of close to my heart. I followed him, and I'm gonna stay loyal to him. And um, it's not as if um, Nicky Richards either doesn't know where the um, where the M6 is either. If he wanted. <laughs> if he wanted to go to Cheltenham with him next season, because I think that's where he'll end up. I was going to say, given um, that you think the Tollworth at Aintree will be the plan, I mean, the, the market has um, Florida Dreams 20-1 to for the Ballymore and 33-1 to for the Supreme. Do, do you think he's a, a two-miler or do you think he might step up and chip? Well, I mean, mo- most horses that, you know, win or run well in the championship bumper at Cheltenham end up being two-and-a-half-milers predominantly. Mm. Um, I think they've got a poor record in the Supreme. I was reading last year on the stats. So I think that lends itself to the, the you know, the staying types winning. So why would the Aintree bumper be any different, even though it's a sharper track and perhaps pacier horses do win it? Um, again, I think the career, the, the sort of like um, tail of the tape says that you know, maybe the stayers do win that as well. You have to stay really well to win those races, I think. So like, yeah, you'd like to think they'll start off at two and then see how they go and, and then maybe work their way up through the ranks. But if they are thinking of, Tolworth hurdle around Aintree over two miles, then you know, they, they like I say, they, they don't, they certainly don't think he's void of speed and you know, the numbers we've got him doing, then that, that certainly seems to be fact. Dan, you'll obviously take a, a keen eye on these uh, on bumper form. Um, what, what have you made of Florida Dreams thus far? 
Yeah, I, I do like that entry bumper this year. Say so the the third horse Hastings, I thought would be useful recruit for John Joe O'Neill as well. I think the likes of Masaccio, I think is due to run tomorrow as well. He was staying on seventh, so I thought that race is it. It can often be a bit hit or miss. I, I thought this year was, was actually quite a, a good renewal. Maybe slightly overlooked because, I say, Florida Dreams wasn't necessarily top of the market. Wasn't the most fancied runner in the race, and some people may think it wasn't that good form, but. I say he was very impressive that day, and I think there's a few in behind that, that were definitely worth keeping eye on this season. Good stuff. Well, let's look at your third selection. Hopefully, another one uh, worth uh, keeping an eye on. Uh, Cuthbert Dibble, uh, your next up selection for Nigel Twiston Davis. Uh, last seen winning uh, Novice Hurdle over two and a half at Foss Lass. So what about Cuthbert Dibble's performances thus far? Have you put him firmly in the, in the notebook? Yeah, so we've had a couple of, I think, potential grade one horses. I wouldn't have Cuthbert Dibble in that ballpark, but he's a horse <laughs> I really like. And I've I've kind of gone with a few handicappers to fill out the list. And, and he's one I think he's definitely worth keeping on side. He was really busy last season, actually. He ran in a couple of bumpers where I think he shaped reasonably well, but he just clearly wasn't a bumper horse. That was never going to be where he thrived. Even though his couple of starts over hurdles to start with over two miles, he was quite novice still very much looked like a work in progress, but obviously just crying out for a step up in trip as well. As soon as he got that, he won but impressively at Leicester by 19 lengths on pretty testing ground. Leicester in heavy ground could often turn into a real test of stamina, and that's what it was that day. And people were so impressed by that performance, he went off 4-1 to one for the EBF final, a race that year after year works out extremely well. Didn't quite work out for him on the day. He was held up right on the inside. He was still about 11th when they turned for home, but... He did get a bit of daylight eventually and stayed on really well into fifth. That race, as I say, normally works out extremely well. He got another boost the other day where Crambo won at Aintree extremely impressively. Obviously, he was the EBF final winner. I think of the 13 to have run since that race, nine of one. Uh, Cuthbert Dibble being another one of those, as you say, went on to make all under novice com- in novice company at the back end of last season. And I think that's what another appealing factor about him. He does seem very uncomplicated. He can make his own running. He can sit in behind. It all kind of comes alike to him. By Cave Tara, his dam's related to a, a few chase winners, including Banjack's Girl, who was a very useful mare uh, for Nigel Twiston Davis. One of her progeny also includes Lamilos. So plenty of chasers in the pedigree. And I think that's where we're going to see the best of him. I think he's a real free mile chaser in the making. Obviously, he's under the right tutelage in Nigel Twiston Davis to get the most out of him as well. And we've seen with the likes this season already of Broadway Boy, Idaoka Bahui, Master Chewy, all made extremely impressive starts to their chasing careers. I think Cuthbert Dibble will be another one in those moulds. Currently rated 125. I think he'll improve a fair bit beyond that once he sees a fence and three miles. Uh, I say this could be one of those horses we're seeing in those top three-mile handicap chases for the next couple of seasons. And you said you had, a, had time to go and have a look through all of Dan's selections. What did you What did you make of Cuthbert Dibble? Yeah, I've been a big advocate of Cuthbert Dibble uh, in my column quite a few times um, last season. Um, I think I put him up in the ABF final at Sandown. Um, he was out of the money that day, but as Dan said, the form has been um, sensational since. Um, with like you know, I back to, I back to what's called Cribbilly out the race. He won next time out. Crambo won the other day. Inniston, uh, he's a nice horse. Gary Moore's a finished second. Hugo's new horse. He looked a really strong renewal. So. Um, you know, to finish fifth in that was certainly no shame. And then, you know, he won well last time out. His numbers are good as well. Um, not in the top echelon, but certainly enough to suggest that he's going to be winning race off one, two, five. So yeah, that's another good, uh, a good choice by Dan there. Nice, uh, nice little handicapper to go to war with. Some from a yard who uh, I can do no wrong at the moment. Uh, that Twist and Davis mm. stable, they, they must be running at the best strike rate so far. 
Yeah, absolutely flying at the moment. Uh, hopefully we'll continue to do so with Cuthbert Dibble at the forefront of that over the course of the season. Uh, Andy, uh, Mombeg Park for you now. Mm. Uh, interesting profile, having one last time out over two miles of Punchestown, having previously been running over two and a half and even over three miles, but the drop back and trip, even at this early stage, seemed to have done the trick. Yeah, sometimes you get like these pointer-pointers that actually <laughs> end up being good two-milers. Um, I, you know, Constitution here, I'm not saying this horse is as good as that, but uh, they show just far too much speed in their races. And it, it took a while for connections to kind of like work out that maybe that is, is his best trip. I'm not saying for one minute he's not going to be a two and a half or he, he won't get two and a half miles because he stayed it well enough um, on several occasions last year. In fact, they tried him over three and he didn't run too badly. He's only bad runs in the Lord of the Nace when it was a really bottomless ground and he, he's not quite a great one horse yet. But I think he's just been marking time over hurdle. If you look at him, he's an absolute giant uh, by, you know, out of walk in the park. Um, he got disqualified when he won at Fairy House. A little bit of mild interference that day in a handicap. And when he beat Riss Bell, I thought he was a bit unfortunate to lose it. It was one of the, almost like, I think it was a VAR referral. Uh, might have been overturned. Um, and he got his due compensation next time at Punchestown. But his last two time figures were both very good particularly in that handicap. And I do like horses that can run well at a novice company in those big, old, open, older horse handicaps and hold their own because um, they are more strongly run uh, than, than normal novice hurdles. So he is proven in a big field where they go a good gallop. Um, and I think he'll go straight over fences this season because he's from a point-to-point background. He'll start off in a beginner's chase somewhere, no doubt. Um, whether he'll win it, I don't know. Depends on if there's a Willie Mullins horse in there. Um, but he should really pay his way throughout the course of the season. Um, like I said, I don't really know where he'll end up with regards festivals. Don't see him as a charming festival horse per se, but you know he does go really well right-handed. All all his form seems to be you know the Punchestown Fairy House as well, which is a handy thing because you know there is uh, other festivals uh, other than Cheltenham um, later on in the spring, and uh, I, I think that's where he'll be. So Monbeg Park, in nice little horse. Uh, just short of grade one, grade one level, maybe, maybe, maybe even handicaps um, throughout the season. And just to keep backing, uh, Mumbeg Park there, Andy's fourth selection. Um, over back to you, Dan. Uh, Foxy Girl for Henry de Bromheads, uh, last seen uh, in the Mayor's Novice. Uh, what has impressed you about Foxy Girl? Yeah, she's a tricky one. As you say, she went into that Mayor's Novice, but she never really had a straightforward campaign last season. But I, what I saw of her, I'd be surprised off her mark 123. There aren't plenty of races to be won. I think she could make up into a mare that's of graded level. So off 123, I'd be very hopeful there's more to come. She was second on her Irish debut on her first start of 600 days after coming over from France. That day, she ran into Liberty Dance, who'd had a run under her belt uh, and was just clearly more experienced on the day. She went on to win a listed race next time out. The third, who was several lengths behind the two, is now rated 123. So that form worked out reasonably well. And she made no mistake next time out when winning on St. Stephen's Day at Limerick. Race with plenty of enthusiasm. That's very much her forte and what she's been doing, sometimes too much. But on this day, she made all, was always in control of the race. And she beat a Willie Mullins horse called In Excess, who bolted up next time out, held entries in the likes of the Supreme, didn't go because I think he had a few holdups. But a horse they seemed to think was of reasonable ability. So that paints her in a good light. And then she looks set to go for the Mayor's Handicap at the Dublin Racing Festival, a race that is notoriously very strong, a race that has often produced like Cheltenham Festival winners have kicked on from there. And she was the anti-post favourite for it. I think she was as short as 72 when the markets opened, but she picked up an injury, which meant she didn't go. 
So after only having a couple of starts, including only winning one, uh, coming on a maiden hurdle pre, pre-New Year, they went straight to Cheltenham, as you say, for that Mayor's Novice hurdle. And despite Henry, I think, had five runners in that race, Henry de Bromhead, and obviously it was a, a race mm. that meant a, a lot to him on this occasion as well. I found it really interesting that Foxy Girl was the choice of Rachel Blackmore, and she went off the shortest price of Henry's five runners, despite the lack of experience, and clearly just with the absence to contend with as well. I think her early keenness, like I mentioned, just cost her that day. I think Rachel was trying to hold her up to try and get her to relax a bit more, but she just took took hot, too much of a hold on the outside, took herself far too forward compared to what Rachel wanted, and probably just used up too energy, too much energy too soon. I still think she ran a race full of promise, only beaten 12 lengths in the end despite doing a lot wrong. I say that was she's still a mare with so much upside. I think only rated 123. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they're looking at that Dublin Racing Festival mare's handicap again as a potential target for her. I think she's got another race in her before that. And if she does kick on like I hope she would, she may end up being graded class by the end of the season. But I'd be hopeful of 123. Uh, they've got a couple of races that could be won with her this season. And any, any view? Yeah, big view. I don't know if you, well, you wouldn't remember, but um, we obviously um, covered the W Racing Festival, didn't we, didn't we on a podcast? Mm. I think it's me and Johnny Ward. And um, we did both days. And I distinctly remember saying that Foxy Girl is one to keep an eye on if they're running in that uh, novice's handicap on the Sunday uh, or the mayor's the mayor's handicap sorry on the Sunday um, and I think she was 7 to 1 anti seven to one. she was pretty sure she was yeah. 7 yeah. to 1 I, I remember she was seven, 7 to 1 on Monday, the Monday and Tuesday when they opened prices but then she contracted into 7 to 2 um, and then yeah she didn't she ended up not running which is a real body blow for those that have backed her um, but her time figure at the time before Limerick was very good um, so she probably would have made a mockery of a, of a handicap mark and, she, and, and she's actually dropped, been dropped to 1-2-3 after being 1-2-7 going into Cheltenham uh, which seemed a bit odd considering she ran so well in a grade mm. 1 um, yeah so yeah I think Dan's onto something with that one there we go Dan you're getting not, it's not normally like this normally Andy's <laughs> sitting there saying terrible awful number the rest of it you're getting too many stills of approval three yeses I love the mirrors of West I was getting a bit I was like <laughs> oh no what have I got myself into and then we've gone three in a row so yeah that's I take that I've already got whatever happens with the last one that's more yeses than no's that's so a win you've won. I call that a success yeah absolutely yeah, yeah move on we don't even have to do the last one um <laughs> yeah we're th- four through four um with five uh, a piece so one more each and Andy finally for you you're a showman yourself and your fi- your fifth and final selection is theater man who's got a couple of uh, entries into handicap chases this weekend uh, a Kempton winner over two miles five in a novice hurdle prior to that uh, a horse you must think is well suited uh, for chasing i hope so yeah um again he's with a trainer that predominantly is thought of as a a, a sort of ch- uh, a horse uh, he brings horses on in, um, through the ranks and then goes chasing with them um and he, he he certainly got that look about him if you watch any of his uh, videos and his you know replays um i love the way he won at kempton um he beat two horses that are very highly regarded, one from Nicky Henderson's stable. The third horse is one of Dan Skelton's, uh, who I think had finished third um, in a grade two at Haydock. Um, behind, yeah, the uh, Prestige. Yeah, the, yeah they'd be on the pool. There's a Paul Nichols horse that won it, Making making Your Mind Up or something like that. Making Your like Mind that. Up. Is it That's Making right, Your yeah. Mind? It is Making Your Mind Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, 
he got beat subsequently at Perth by that Giovinco, who could have easily gone on the list, by the way, but he failed the other day, so I thought I'd leave mm. him off. Um, so, that, you know, he wasn't beating any mugs at Kempton, and he beat them very, very readily. Again, a good time figure. Um, you know, up there with some of the not nicer novices that we had below um, championship level. Just like I said, just looked like a thorough stay, a really likeable type, nice attitude, jumps well, um, very consistent type as well. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think he'll do well, particularly in those early season novices handicaps. I think they're really strong pieces of form. I think if I had to give one piece of advice to uh, the listeners and the viewers is to, to do follow some of those hotter ones, particularly with the ones with, you know, the good time figures, because uh, I, I think they're, they're, they're very strong. They're, they're very you know, there's a lot of strength in depth in those kind of races. They're mm. much better than beginners' chases and uh, novice chases. So, um, yeah, I think Theatre Man off of Mark, I think in the 120s at the moment, if he gets what he gets over hurdles, that, that, that'll be a good starting point for him over fences. Uh, Dan, any view on Andy's final selection? This is your chance to, to you know, stick the knife into him. <laughs> No, I, I I I wish I could, but no, I I do agree with that one. It's it's, it's much easier to go when I I didn't come in with any prep on his ones. I could maybe been able to dig out some dirt, but I'm doing this on the fly. But no, I think I think Richard Bandy has proven in recent seasons as well with those types, like St yeah. Palais being the most most notable example. I guess a couple of seasons ago, really kicked on over over fences and became a, a real top class handicap chaser. I don't think he necessarily had the best season last year, uh, Richard Bandy compared to last year. So the fact that he was able to have actually a decent performance there and obviously win at Kempton so impressively may mark him up even more. So I think I agree with Andy, especially on those novice handicap chases, you get plenty that are really, really good form, especially early in the season. So even if he necessarily doesn't win straight away in one of those races, it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the season he hasn't racked up a couple of decent wins. Great stuff. Uh, close off now, Dan, with your final selection. Uh, Nicky Henderson, uh, two-mile novice hurdler, immortal. Uh, yet to get off the mark, Form figures of 2-2, two, two, um, so not uh, far away. Uh, and an opening mark of 110. Mm. Yeah, very much an unknown quantity still, but I'd be very disappointed if he wasn't a lot better than 110. Like, even the build-up to last <laughs> season, there were a few whispers about this horse, thinking he was could be quite potentially quite smart. And I thought it was notable that he made his debut at Sandown in a race that Nicky Henderson really does like to target. See, Constitution Hill won it the year bef- a couple of years before that. Vanato, 007 in recent years alone. So it tends to be a decent one he sends for that race. This year, he just ran into authorized speed, who had experience, he had fitness, obviously ran extremely won the champion bumper before that. Just a far more complete horse at that stage of his career. I think still ran pretty well in there. Pulled clear of the third is a horse called Godot, who's now rated 111. Uh, he was actually 13 lengths behind Immortal. So if you take that on pure form, then Immortal's Mark 110 looks very lenient. Wouldn't maybe take it literally on sand down soft ground. But I think it shows you the potentially the caliber that he is and how he could be better than Mark 110. And then unfortunately, he ran into another smart Gary Moore horse. I think the horse I've got a lot of hope for in Gavega on his next start. Don't think he would have beat Gavega that day, but did make a notable error at the second latch, which really did hinder his winning chance. Wasn't, I say, wasn't the difference between winning and losing. But again, pulled well clear of the third. I was surprised they gave him an opening mark 110. Obviously, he only ran twice, placed twice, so they're allowed to do that. But I think that looks extremely lenient for all that he does lack experience. And I was pretty adamant, given obviously Nicky's general MO of experience and nursing these horses along, that he'd probably go for a maiden or a novice hurdle first. But I saw today that he's got an entry at Ascot on Saturday in the conditional jockey's handicap hurdle. Now, if he does run in that off 110, 
I'd be very, very strong on him. And obviously, I think they've started the, the year quite quick as well in comparison mm. to recent seasons. So he'd be one I'd be desperate to have on the side for a race like that. And I, and I spoke to Nicky Henderson uh, a couple of months ago about this horse, uh, and he gave me a nice little quote about him, uh, which I'll, I'll read for you. So he's a five-year-old we all like a lot, a lovely, big, beautiful, moving grey who was big and a bit weak last season. I went straight over hurdles, and he started an outstanding run at Sandown, jumping beautifully, was just outwitted by a good young horse in all for speed. Went back to Sandown again, and although finishing second, ran a race full of promise. He's had a great summer, and the fact that he's still a novice can only be to his benefit. And hopefully with a full campaign, he can go a long, long way over hurdles, and he'll be a very exciting chaser when he goes over fences in a year or so time. So I know people take trainer comments with maybe a bit more scepticism these days, but I think they surely are of the opinion this is not a 110 horse. So I think one to keep on side if he does appear in a handicap early in the season. Really interesting stuff. Uh, Andy, how do you rate those first two runs? Yeah, good. See, funny enough, his, his first one was better on our numbers than the second. He got a 62 rating um, uh, first time up, and then we awarded him just a 54 the next time. So he, once they, he regressed, again, it was just the nature of the, the, the how the race was run second time in comparison to the first time. Sometimes, you know, you, they, they can only run how the number, how, how, the, how the race develops. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that as too much of a detriment um, about him going forward. Uh, but a 62 is really good, uh, particularly first time out. So, again, like I say anything over a 60, novice hurdles, bumpers, that's always pretty good. Um, so, yeah, not, not a not as strong as the other three that I think Dan's picked prior. But um, given that the comments that Nicky says and the likely of more to come, um, an interesting one all the same. Yeah, absolutely. Dan, bringing Nicky Henderson exclusive quotes to the table on a debut. Strong <laughs> showing uh, from Dan. Um, excellent stuff, guys. Uh, I'll quickly run through um, your selections so everyone can get, uh, get their pens and paper out and jot them all down. Uh, for Dan, the five, uh, Mirazor West uh, for Willie Mullins. Five, Fox for Gordon Elliott. Nigel Twiston Davis's Cuthbert Dibble. Henry de Bromhead's uh, Foxy Girl and Nicky Henderson's Immortal. And uh, for Andy, JPR1 and Diamond Rye for Joe, both for Joe Tizard, Florida Dreams for Nicky Richards, Monbeg Park uh, for Sean Doyle and uh, Richard Bandy's Theatre Man. Uh, thank you both uh, for sharing those thoughts and the insight with us today. Make sure that you subscribe to the Odds Check YouTube channel where you can find the Odds Check Betting Show most weeks through the National Hunt season. Uh, Andy will be back, Dan will be back as well as we preview races as we go through. We're going to be back in a, a week or so's time as well with Johnny Ward as we look uh, specifically at Irish uh, horses to follow too. So do stay tuned for that in particular where Andy and Johnny will be on looking at those. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, make sure you also uh, watch Racing Weekly, which you can find on the Odds Checker YouTube channel as well. And check out the Odds Checker app where you can find the best prices, bookie offers, free bets and plenty more, including Andy's tips straight to the app every morning of racing. Thanks to Dan. Thanks to Andy. We'll see you soon. Hopefully a few winners over the course of the season. Enjoy it and enjoy the racing this week.